Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. It's good to be together. You know, on Mother's Day, we always kind of glorify and glamorize the moms, which is rightfully so. I mean, the moms are the ones who made the investment. Let's face it, we wouldn't be here without our moms, right? Um, But on Mother's Day, we always kind of talk about what a great thing moms are. And on Father's Day, we tend to bring the wood. You know, preachers like me, it's like, dads, you need to step it up, man. You need to be with your family. You need to be more involved with your family. You need to do more for your family. You need to change some diapers, right? All the women said, amen. So on Mother's Day, it's all glorious and great. And on Father's Day, it's like, hey, quit being such a rotten dad. Maybe that's why Mother's Day is one of our highest attended Sundays and Father's Day is one of our lowest. (laughs) Maybe we need to reverse that. But here's the truth, and it's almost hard to say this. Not all dads are bad and not all moms are great. I know that sounds almost sacrilegious, but it's true. Just having children doesn't make you a great mom. In fact, some of you have, have grown up with moms that were anything but great, and it's been hard. Some moms are hard to live with. They're demanding and perfectionistic. Some moms have a hard time sacrificing for their kids. Some moms are trying so hard to relive their adolescence that they don't have the maturity to, to take care of another person and to be a mom. Um, some moms are manipulating and controlling. Some moms are neglectful. Not all moms are great. And you might have had a mom like that. You might be a mom like that. Well, I want to say God wants to develop great moms. He wants you to be a great mom. And you say, well, how do I become a great mom? What is it about a mom that makes us great? And I thought about that a lot. And I thought, what is it about your mom that makes you love her so much? What is it about her that made her great in your eyes? And, you know, she sacrificed for you. She cares for you. She tends to you. She has compassion for you. She encourages you, all of those things. But I think all those things can be congealed in one idea, and that is a great mom has a great heart. It always starts with the heart. It's all about the heart, and a great mom is going to have a great heart. Proverbs 31 is that seminal passage on what a virtuous woman is. In Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10, it makes this statement about her. It says, and this is in the authorized version, "...who can find a virtuous woman?" For her price is far above rubies. The New International Version translates that, Proverbs 31.10, a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. And I see a couple of things in that. First of all, great women are rare. It says that it's, they're compared to rubies, which means they're not common. So every woman is not going to be a great mom, Right? But more importantly, that word virtuous or translated noble or in some cases excellent, it's a word that comes out of the Hebrew military structure. It's a word that has to do with an army and it has to do with excellence in battle, which is really what you moms are doing, right? It's being excellent in the core and it goes down to that intrinsic level of the character. He's not talking about her outward appearance. He's not talking about her performance. He's talking about her heart. And that's what makes a woman excellent. It all comes back to the heart. A great mom has a great heart, which means, moms, let me just put your heart at ease. It's not about appearance. And this is so hard for us, isn't it? Because women are so graded and evaluated 
by their outward appearance. And it's hard to get over that. It's hard for everyone to get over that. And beauty is such a deceptive thing because it's a moving target. It's arbitrary. What one tribe values, another tribe disdains. Somebody sent me this picture and I, I absolutely love it. <laughs> it says, in the Bodhi tribe in Ethiopia, the most desired men are those with the largest bellies. The more belly you have, the more attractive you are. I show you this so that you can see that you're not fat, you're just in the wrong tribe. <laughs> that may be one of my favorites. I need to have that framed and put in my office. I'm, I'm not fat, I'm just in the wrong tribe. But I think this standard of beauty is a moving target and, you know, sometimes we have unrealistic standards. Now look, I, some of us could use a little more attention to being fit, guys. Okay, um, we are the temple of God, right? And some of us need to do a little temple maintenance. One guy said, fitness is a witness. And I get that. But at the end of the day, we have to realize that it, it's not about appearance. It's, it's, an, it's an arbitrary thing. I mean, what used to be beautiful in a woman in the 30s and 40s is totally different than what we find beautiful and attractive in women today. And another thing is it's an unrealistic standard. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to be a beauty when you're 17 years old. It's another thing to be a beauty when somebody's just thrown up on you. Right, moms? And things have changed. Uh, one of my favorite stories is this mom that took her little guys to the movie. I guess dad was gone, and so she's going to take all three of them to the movie. And she's got one that's like four and one that's two and one that's one. And she said, no, long, no sooner does she sit down with the popcorn and the drink, but her two-year-old spills an entire large movie Coke in her lap. Just, whoosh, she's covered. And she's like, well... What do I do now? You know, I'm, I'm already here. I'm going to stay. I'm going to wrestle them. We're going to make it through the Smurfs or whatever we're watching. And so she sits there and she said, after a while, things kind of warm up and uh, it gets to be okay. And you kind of forget about it after a while. And at the end of the movie, now she was wearing one of those wraparound skirts that just sort of wraps around and, and ties. And she said she didn't realize it, but as she had sat there, the Coke had somehow adhered her skirt to her chair. So when the movie was over and she got up and she stood up to leave, her wraparound skirt came unwrapped. And she said, I was standing there in the movie with three kids. The show was over, but I was giving them a brand new show. <laughs> it's hard to feel beautiful when you're covered up in life, right? And it's so hard sometimes for moms to, to deal with that. The clothes don't fit right. There's no time for the the nails and the hair and you can start to feel ugly and that begins to affect how you feel about yourself. It's not about appearances. Uh, listen to 1 Peter 3 verse 3. Do not be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. Now I get it. Some people take from that and they go extreme. It is so hard to find balance, especially in these days where everything is so extreme. 
And some people take that and they go, well, women should never cut their hair and they should never wear attractive clothing and they should never wear makeup and all this other stuff. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, don't let your focus be external only. Instead, put the main emphasis on the heart. Um, he's not saying stop looking attractive. He's saying don't find your sense of worth in your appearance. You know, I came across a list of the most beautiful women in the world in, in 2021. And it was interesting to me as I read the list that I only recognized like three or four of them, which tells me I'm getting old. I didn't even know who some of them were. But as I was reading that list and thinking about Mother's Day, I was wondering, and I'm trying not to judge, and I don't know any of the background, I don't know any of the details, but I was wondering in this list of the 100 most beautiful women in the world in 2021, how many of those women are moms? And how many of those women are great moms? Here's what I realized. It's hard to make the top 100 most beautiful women and still be in the top 100 best moms. You have to make some choices. See, it takes a lot of time to maintain beauty as you grow older, right? And, and I was thinking, many of these women on this list, that's all they do is focus on appearance. They've got personal trainers. They work out eight hours a day. They can uh, have dietitians who tell them what to eat. They have fashion designers uh, and stylists who tell them what to wear. And then when all of that's not quite enough and they take their photograph and put it in the magazine, they have to airbrush the defects out so that even the image you get is not of the most beautiful woman in the world, but it's, somewhat, it's some computer artist rendition of what he thinks is the most beautiful woman in the world. And the, the standards are so arbitrary that nobody can achieve them. And if you spend all of your time and energy in that world, then you're never going to have the time and energy for your kids. Let me just say, your kids don't care what you look like. Well, sometimes they do, you know. When you, when you roll out the minivan and the bedhead and the sweats and all this, they're going to ask you to stop a block from the school so they can get out and walk on in. I mean, sometimes they don't really care. But I'll tell you this, they care a lot about your heart. And they read your heart every day. And they see it more than anything else. They see your heart when they don't even look at your face. 1 Timothy 4.8 For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So appearance isn't going to make you a great mom. I'll tell you another thing won't make you a great mom, and that's a performance. It's about the heart. It's the two standards that we use in our world is appearance and performance. Either you look great or you do things that we consider to be great. And Forbes came out with a list of the world's 100 most powerful women. And, and I, here's the top 10 on that list. Angela Merkel, uh, Christina Lagarde, Kamala Harris, Ursula von der Leyen, Mel Melinda Gates, uh, Mary Barra, Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> Anna Patricia Bowden, Abigail Johnson, and Gail Boudreaux. I only recognize a few of those names. Like Angela Merkel, I get, Germany. Kamala Harris, I got. Melinda Gates, she's married to Bill Gates, or was, and now she's not. And uh, Nancy Pelosi, we all get. You know, I don't know a lot about some of these, and I can tell you, 
that your kids probably don't know about any of them. Your kids couldn't care less who the most powerful women in the world are because here's the truth. In your kid's mind, there's only one powerful woman in his or her world, and that's you. You're it. And so when they're looking for a powerful woman, you're the one that they look to. And it has nothing to do with what the world thinks about you. Now look, God isn't opposed to successful women. God isn't opposed to women creating wealth and generating industry. I mean, read Proverbs 31. Read that 31.10 and following. You see, that was an industrious woman. She had a, 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 a fashion industry. She was... She was doing land speculation. She was considering and buying land. It said that she's like a merchant ship and she's buying vineyards and raising vineyards. She's doing all of this industrious stuff. The key question isn't whether or not you should be successful. God loves for His people to be successful. There's nothing wrong with generating wealth. Church, get over that. And work is not a bad thing. Adam and Eve were working before the fall. Before the fall, they were working, tending to the garden. The Bible says this in Proverbs 10, 22, it is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and He adds no sorrow to it. It's not about your performance and in terms of being successful. The key question is, why are you working so hard? Are you working so hard to gain the approval of people? Are you sacrificing your family for that approval? Are you working to get more things and more stuff so that you can live with greater wealth? Are you sacrificing your kids for your stuff? Here's the key question. Does producing wealth for wealth's sake drive you, or do you seek to produce wealth for what wealth can do for others? I'm not splitting hairs. This is a very important question. Why are you working so hard? If you are working so hard, if that first part is true and you're working to generate wealth for wealth's sake, then the reason is the love of money. And the Bible says the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. The second reason is the love of people. If you're, if you're working to produce wealth to bless other people's lives, then that's the love of people and that fulfills the great commandment. The first reason will corrupt your heart. The second reason will enrich your heart. But at the end of the day, it's not about performance. It's about your heart. A great mom has a great heart. And here's the second part of that. A great heart does good things. If you've got a great heart, then you're going to do good things. And let me just say this, moms, because this is the challenge. This stuff is not done in isolation. I mean, I see these moms and they want to, you know, pop on the yoga pants and get in some private place and have some private experience. And all of that's good and important. We all need isolation. We need time alone with the Father. I don't know anybody that's going to grow deep without time alone. But if that's the only place your spirituality works, then it's not real. Because here come the kids and they're screaming at me. And all of a sudden I'm back in this real world and what's in my heart is going to come out in that moment. I mean, it's easy for me to love Jesus when it's just me and Jesus. It's much harder for me to love Jesus when it's me and you and Jesus. 
And that's especially true with kids. Good hearts do good things. And so what happens on the inside shows up on the outside in the heat of the battle. Remember, that's a battle term, Cahill, excellent wife. In the heat of the battle. In the heat of the moment when the pressure's on, the greatness of a heart becomes manifest. I mean, I see it in Ruth. I think Ruth's a beautiful example. If you've never read that beautiful book of Ruth in the Old Testament, pick it up sometime. Let me give you the synopsis of it. Ruth is a Moabitess, and she's married to a Jewish man. Her mother-in-law is named Naomi. And Naomi's husband dies, and so Naomi comes to live with Ruth and her husband, Naomi's son. And then Naomi's son dies. Actually, both of her sons die. Ruth and her sister-in-law, Orpah, are left destitute. And in those days, a woman had to have a guy because the woman had no opportunity to generate income alone. They had to have a guy. So what would happen is if the husband died like that and the girl was young enough, she would go out and find another husband, connect herself with that family and start over. But if they were older like like Naomi was, there was no hope for them at all. They could basically go back to their family and live on their family's generosity or lack of it. And so Naomi goes to Ruth and she says, Ruth, it's over for me. Life is over. Go find yourself a husband. Forget about me. Leave me. And in the heat of that moment, in that, in that life-changing moment, the greatness of Ruth's heart showed up. And she said these lines that we used to say these all the time in weddings. And I thought it was interesting because it was always said between a a couple, a husband and wife going to get married. But the lines were originally said between a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. It said, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. In that tenuous moment where Ruth's whole line was on the line, she told Naomi, I will not desert you, even though I pay the price for that. That's a great heart. And later on, if you read the story, you'll see that they both go home to Naomi's home in Bethlehem and they run into a man named Boaz, who's a wealthy man, who, who's drawn to the, the character of Ruth's heart. And it's an interesting story because if you know the backstory of it, Boaz actually becomes a part of the lineage of David and by virtue of that, a part of the lineage of Jesus. So Ruth's character shows up as it's traced through and rewarded by being a member of Jesus' family tree. But when Boaz hears what Ruth has done, here's what he says about her in Ruth 3.11. And now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know, now here's the key, underline this part, you are a woman of excellence. And that word excellence is that same Hebrew word, kehil. You are a woman of great character. You're a woman of noble character. You have this intrinsic value that is demonstrated through the actions of your life, the greatness of your heart. That's what he's saying. It's all about the heart. It's not what you look like. It's not what you do. It's about your heart. Moms, you want to be a great mom? You've got to have a great heart. 
Stop worrying about your appearance so much. And guys, quit demanding the appearance. Quit demanding that she looks like a teenager. She's not a teenager. She's so much more than that. And I don't care if you make Forbes list. I mean, if you do, great. If you don't, it doesn't matter because your kids don't care. They couldn't care less if you're on the 100 most important women in the world because in their life, you already are. But it's all about your heart. And just, and just having children doesn't make you a great mom because it doesn't give you a great heart. You say, well, how do I get that great heart? Where do you get a great heart? God's looking at the heart. You see that all through the Bible. You know, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth looking for someone whose heart is fully His. And, and when Samuel's picking the next king, he says, don't look at the outward appearance. That's what man does. But God focuses on the heart. And when the people of Israel were constantly trying to worship God through rote and ritual, he said, you're constantly coming to me with these sacrifices, but your heart is far removed from me. And your religion consists of, of religion learned by rote. I want your heart. That's what God says. And listen, your kids want your heart too. They're looking at your heart. So how do I get a great heart? Well, it starts this way. You give your heart to Jesus. See, here's the thing about a heart. You can't fix one. I mean, a cardiologist can fix them a little bit, but spiritually, you can't fix your spiritual heart. And when you sin, that spiritual heart is dead. And the only answer is a transplant. And that's exactly what happens when we come to faith in Christ. God removes that old heart and He replaces it with a new one. Listen to Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And when you give your heart to Christ, He gives you a new heart. You, you, it's, it's not about trying to repair and mend and fix up the old one. You need a new nature because your old nature is always going to drive you back to those old selfish patterns. But the new nature in Christ is the Spirit of Christ dwelling within you. And that's the transforming change that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got to have that. So if you want to be a great mom, you need a new heart. If you don't have the heart of Jesus, you need one. And guys, that's not just true for moms. We know that. It's true for all of us. But here's the second thing. Even after I have a new heart, I have to surrender my heart to Christ daily. I mean, my salvation is a one-time thing, but my obedience to the faithfulness of the Spirit is an everyday thing. And every day I make that decision to yield my heart to the Lordship of Christ so that Christ would reign through me. I was reading Colossians 3 in my quiet time and Man, it just, it just kept coming up. Put off, put off, put on, put off, put on, put off, put on. Listen to what it says in uh, Colossians 3.8. But now you also put them all aside. He's been talking about who you were before Christ. He says, put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Moms, put all that aside. That's what you were. That's not what you are now. God's given you a new heart. Your old heart was inclined toward that. Your new heart is not. He said, but in, in, in that place, okay, you put those aside, but look at uh, Colossians 3.12. So also those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart 
I put off, I put all those old things aside, and then I put on my heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. See, here's the thing. In Christ, we have a new heart, but every day we have to remember to put it on. It's a choice we make. Verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Verse 14, beyond all these things, look at this, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Put those things aside, put on a new heart, put on love, because that's the perfect bond of unity. In other words, every day I, I get before the Lord and I say, God, this day has got challenges. And there are going to be people that come into my life who are, who are rude to me, who are uh, difficult to deal with, who misunderstand, who are, are aggressive. My kids are going to do dumb stuff. They're going to do all kinds of crazy things. I remember one of my favorite stories of being a mom is this lady comes walking out the screen door and she notices all four, all four of her kids are gathered in a in a circle looking at something. And so she quietly slips up behind them to see what they're looking at. And in the middle of the circle of her four children, there are four baby skunks. And she says to her kids, run kids! And each kid grabbed a skunk and ran. <laughs> you can't plan for that. You don't know that's going to happen that day. You can't even pray about it. God, please don't let my kid grab a skunk today. I don't know that. But your kid's going to grab something. They're going to do, I can promise you this, they're going to do something. And if you're not prepared, if you haven't put on that heart, you're not going to be ready for it. Put on a heart of love, which is the great commandment. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now notice, it says, to which you were called in one body and be thankful. Notice, it's let the peace of Christ rule. It's not something you do, it's something you allow. When I've done all these other things and I've put aside that old stuff, that old nature, and I've put on a new heart, and I've put on love, now I let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. And notice that last part, and be thankful. Be thankful. Are you really thankful? Are you thankful for that guy you've got? Are you thankful for those kids you've got? You know, I remember one mom, they asked her, if you had to do it over again, would you have children? And she said, yes, but not the same ones. But you know what thankfulness does? It changes everything. As long as I'm longing and demanding, then I'm never satisfied. And if there was one thing I see in so many moms is that they just can't be satisfied. But when you're thankful, it's like, I'm, God, you've been sufficient. You've given me all that I need for life and godliness. And in this I will be grateful. And in this I will find peace. And so I let peace rule in my heart. How do you have a great heart? Well, if you don't have a new heart, you need a new heart. You can do that today. you got to give your heart to Jesus. And the moment that happens, He takes that old heart of stone out and He replaces it with a heart of flesh and gives you a new nature. You want a great heart? It starts there. But if you've already got that new heart, then every day you got to put aside that old stuff and you got to put on a a new heart and a heart of love, and you got to let peace rule in, your, in that heart. You willing to do that? Wouldn't it be great if we just made that our commitment today? I want to pray for us, and after I pray, band's going to come back out and sing one more song. But listen, 
These commitments we make are commitments that change our lives. So I'm going to ask you to make a commitment today. Moms, dads, this isn't just for women, you know that. How's your heart? If it's all about the heart, how's your heart? Would you just pray with me right now? Here's the first commitment I want to ask you to make. If you don't know Jesus right now, if you don't have a new heart, would you just make this commitment? God, I need a new heart. I give you all of myself. Here's my heart, Father. I just give my life to you. I commit my life fully into your hands. Please forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Give me a new heart. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. And when we profess that by faith, God does that work. Father, we thank you for the work of salvation that comes in Jesus. And I thank you for these moms and these dads and these kids who are being made new right now in this place. I thank you for that. And Father, we want to commit to you as believers, as people who know Christ, whose hearts have been transformed, that we're going to put aside the old things. And here's our commitment. Father, every day, I'm going to ask you to give me a new heart. Father, every day I'm going to ask you to help me to be at peace and to receive your peace. And every day I will choose to be grateful for what you've put into my life. So give us a great heart so we can be great moms and dads and brothers and sisters, employers and employees. Father, you'd be glorified. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make Him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.